Well, if the U.S. did default, that could obviously create a lot of chaos in markets. And there's really no telling what the outcome would be because it simply hasn't happened. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Canadian CPI came in above expectations for April, prompting speculation about an end to the Bank of Canada's pause on rate hikes. On today's episode, portfolio managers Chris McKinney, Om Karmulker, and your host Mackenzie Box explore what this could all mean for markets. They also discuss low volatility strategies, the U.S. debt ceiling standoff, and what recent corporate earnings can tell us about the state of the global economy. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit BMOETFs.com. Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in, provide comments and questions each and every week. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, in product at BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I'm joined by Chris McKaney and Omad Karmalkar, who are both portfolio managers on the ETF desk. So thank you both to Chris and Om for joining me today. Thanks. Good morning. Thanks for having us. All right, so let's dive in. We just saw the Canadian CPI uh, come out a little bit higher than expected. Chris, can you maybe walk us through what the implications are to the market? Sure. And yeah, certainly a little bit of a surprise to the upside here. The CPI year over year came in at 4.4% for April for Canada. The expectation was a 41 So certainly higher than expectations, but also higher than previous. Uh, 4.3 was the previous year over year number. So, um, you know, not only, you know, not coming down, but also, you know, moving up a little bit. That is somewhat um, offset by the fact that the core CPI, the measures that central banks generally look at a little bit closer, was a bit more in line with expectations. It came in at 4.2% which was a deceleration from the previous month. And again, generally in line with expectations. So maybe um, if any good news to be taken, uh, it's from that core measure. But I think, you know, if you do look at that core and really what was driving these numbers in general, uh, you know, a little bit of the concern is that it was fairly broad based. Um, So there wasn't any one area that was causing this um, sort of rebound in inflation. It was, it was broad based and across the board. So I think this is really just a reminder to the market that as we're fighting inflation and hoping this comes down over time, that um, this process is not going to happen in a straight line. It's not going to um, be a few months and then we'll wake up and inflation's back at 2% again. Um, it, it is going to be a process and it will involve you know some ups and downs along the way as well. So for investors thinking of how to play this or how to position their portfolios because of this, I think, again, it's a reminder that rates are not necessarily going to come back down as quickly as the market has been expecting. If we take a look at the futures market, uh, as of last Friday, before this CPI report came out, the market was pricing in uh, about two rate cuts by December of this year in Canada, or a total of 50 basis points of a decrease in interest rates uh, by the end of 2023. 
fast forward to today after the CPI report came out, uh, and now the market is pricing in one interest rate hike by September. So quite a reversal there, you know, essentially taking out two cuts and adding in one hike at 75 basis points of increase in terms of what the market is now expecting for the remainder of 2023 here in Canada. So not that this will directly play out in the U.S. as well, but I think it's something for investors to keep in mind when uh, allocating fixed income, not just in Canada, but U.S. and looking at duration as well. The expectations for quick cuts uh, coming out of central banks, I think, is going to start to erode over time. And so what does that mean for, for investors? I think it means you know maintaining that shorter duration bias. We've talked about uh, in the past using this barbell approach where you really want to be in the short end to get that yield because that's where yields are highest right now, actually. But also adding a longer duration asset uh, for that sort of risk control and, and risk uh, mitigation against the equity side of your portfolio. And so I think that continues to make sense here. Even though short-term interest rates move up on the back of a, a print like this, longer-term interest rates haven't really moved that much. And so if you have that longer duration allocation, you haven't necessarily been hurt by this too much, and you still have that protection against uh, weakness in the equity portfolio. So staying invested in those long federals, for example, uh, BMO Long Federal Bond Index ETF, ZFL, uh, or ZTL, which is the U.S. Uh, BMO Long-Term U.S. Treasuries ETF, that gives you your, that long duration exposure, but then maintaining those allocations into those shorter duration uh, ETFs as well. And we have the BMO Ultra Short Term Bond ETF, ZST, for your Canadian exposure. That keeps your, your duration very, very short. Um, you can go even shorter than that if you want to go to money market as well. But maintaining that short duration gives you that yield. It doesn't give you too much exposure should rates continue to stay high uh, or the market reprices them a little bit higher, as we've seen happen over the last few days here. And then again, maintaining that longer part of the barbell as well in order to maintain that duration exposure so that, you know, should there be risks in the equity market, that, that uh, duration exposure helps to offset any equity risk you might have. Great. Thanks, Chris. Are you looking for protection against volatility? Check out BMO GAM's monthly covered calls and enhanced income report, which features the latest performance numbers from BMO's suite of covered call and enhanced yield ETF solutions, including the BMO Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF, ticker ZWB, and the BMO Covered Call U.S. Banks ETF, ticker ZWK. Find the link to the report in today's episode notes. Next, we'll pass it to you, Om. The low volatility factor has lagged year to date. What is the outlook for this going forward? And are there some strategies that investors can use to implement this factor in their portfolio? Yeah, for sure, Mackenzie. Um, so yes, the low vol factor has lagged year to date. But if we just take a step back and look in 2022, we can see within Canada, ZLB, which is the BMO Canadian low vol ETF, outperformed the broad market by 5.5% approximately. And in the US, ZLU, which is the BMO US low volatility ETF, outperformed the broad market significantly by approximately 20%. So yes, we have seen a lag you know, to start off 2023. And that's mainly because of the strong growth rally that we saw, you know, where technology companies led the way. 
uh, you know, to give you an example, Meta is up approximately 100% year to date. But again, you know, I would say this is a short-term risk in these kind of strategies where, you know, when you have that growth rally, these uh, strategies do tend to lag. So before I go into kind of the outlook, I just wanted to highlight, you know, what do I mean by low vol strategies? The concept of low volatility isn't new. Uh, it's an equity strategy that tries to invest in companies or stocks uh, with everything else being equal in less risky stocks uh, instead of high risky stocks. For an example, uh, you know, in Canada, you know, you would invest in grocery companies such as Loblaws or Dollarama instead of holding Shopify. So the number one goal of these strategies is to is seeking to accomplish less drawdown. And this puts investors in a better position to have good returns going forward. Uh, you know, in terms of outlook, you know, we are still constructive on low volatility equities, given that we will continue to see bouts of volatility in the equity market, uh, driven by, as Chris mentioned, you know, inflation or monetary policies. And again, also there's geopolitical tensions in Europe uh, that continued on uh, since uh, last year. So, you know, it's a great strategy to hold, especially for investors concerned about downside and want to skew away from cyclical sectors. And finally, I would say, you know, another way to use these strategies uh, would be in a barbell approach. So barbelling low volatility factor with the growth factor. So this barbell strategy provides exposure to both defensive and growth exposures at the same time. So ZLU provides that defensive low volatility exposure, and you can get the growth exposure depending on how much uh, you know beta or growth uh, your portfolio needs. You can use ZNQ, which is the BMO NASDAQ uh, index ETF, or ARC, uh, which is the BMO US ARC ETF which provides you know, that growth exposure. And this kind of barbell approach has provided a much better risk-adjusted return versus the broad market. And a similar strategy can also be implemented within the Canadian market uh, using ZLB and the broad market. So I would say, you know, given some of the headwinds uh, in the equity markets, you know, having a balanced approach with exposure to both defensive and growth equities can potentially add value for investors while still managing risk. Great, thanks, Om. Chris, we'll pass it back to you. There's been lots of talks and we've seen lots of articles and, and things in the news about the US debt ceiling and potential default. Can you maybe just touch on that briefly and what that means? Yeah, sure. And, you know, this is really a tricky one because, uh, of course, uh, politics become invested in it uh, or, or become uh, included in uh, decision making here. And it's obviously hard to model out uh, any political decisions that are being made in terms of just posturing and things like that. But, you know, essentially Janet Yellen recently came out and said uh, that the U.S. government could run out of money by June 1st if the debt ceiling is not raised and they're not able to continue issuing uh, new T-bills. So this has kind of put a date on the calendar in terms of when negotiations have to be completed by and, and, a, and a resolution has to be achieved. Up until now, we've had very sort of negative um, feedback from, from both parties in terms of how those negotiations have been going. Um, late on Tuesday evening, there was a, a sliver of hope, I think, as both sides came away from discussions with a little bit more uh, positivity in terms of how they described how those talks went um, and if there's a, a possibility of a resolution. 
Now, I think um, both sides have also said that a default is actually out of the question. And so, you know, this is really what markets are concerned with, not just the U.S. economy or the U.S. markets, but really global markets are driven off the fact that U.S. T-bills are a risk-free asset. You know, that's really the risk-free asset to the world. And every other investment is priced off of that risk-free asset. And so if the U.S. did default, all of a sudden that risk-free asset that underpins, you know, essentially the global economy uh, is no longer risk-free. And so, you know, that could obviously create a lot of chaos in markets. There's really no telling what the outcome would be because it simply hasn't happened. So I think for investors, you know, the main thing is to understand that the likelihood of a default is low and that this shouldn't really affect uh, long-term financial planning. However, um, you know, there are some short-term things that could potentially be, um, you know, positioned for, you know, first of all, for investors, I think a default will happen. Um, I think, you know, the only thing you can do is de-risk your portfolio. How do you de-risk your portfolio? Um, that's a good question because that that typically would involve buying UST bills, which in this case uh, would no longer be uh, risk-free. So uh, de-risk that portfolio. I think one reason why we've seen gold do as well as it has in terms of that gold price could be part of the reason here. I think that might be the, the one safe haven that the global investment community would go to if the U.S. dollar and U.S. T-bills were questioned in terms of their safety. So seeing gold continue to hover around $2,000 an ounce, you know, it has come off from its recent highs a little bit, but uh, you know, over the last three years or so, we've seen it hit this level around three different times. And I think that's part of what's driving the gold price today is this possibility of a U.S. default. So there's not a non-zero probability being, being priced into the market here. If you take a look at a T-bill that matures just before June 1st, you're getting about a 4% yield. If you take a look at the T-bills that mature after June 1st, like June 1 or June 6th or the following week, you're getting about five and a half percent. So that is a considerable premium in yield being placed on those T-bills that are maturing after that June 1st date that, that, that Janet Yellen mentioned. So the market is pricing in a possibility that this happens. Again, I think the risk-free asset uh, comes into question if that happens, and then really maintaining a lower risk profile is what investors can really suit themselves with. For those that believe this is really just politics and should blow over uh, in time and that a resolution will be reached, you know, there's really not much you can do. I would say maintain your asset allocation and maintain your overall portfolio. We might see a bump in equities should a debt ceiling resolution come to pass. Um, I think risk assets will rally on the back of that. So you might see a short-term pop, um, but really over the long term, it wouldn't affect equity valuations and, and therefore you know, outside of these short-term dislocations that we're seeing in these smaller um, areas for potential returns. Uh, it's really, you know, maintaining that investment allocation that you've come up with and uh, maintaining the discipline to hold that over time that I think is going to make sense. Great. Thanks, Chris. Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's Money Market and Ultra Short-Term Bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS. Last but not least, Om, we'll turn it back over to you. We've seen a lot of companies 
report earnings in the U.S. recently. And what are earnings and corporate outlooks telling us about the state of the global economy? If you can maybe just touch on that and what that what investors can expect from these results. For sure. From an earnings perspective, you know, we just went through some of the biggest earnings and it was definitely interesting. While things are slowing down, it's not as drastic as many had predicted or as the market had predicted. So the earnings are showing uh, negative growth in some instances, but not as negative as initially anticipated. And to put some numbers around, you know, I think the market was pricing in about high single digit decline. So around seven to 8% in earnings decline, but it was actually around 3% decline. So it was much better than what market had feared. And that's why we saw a strong uh, rally uh, in these companies uh, post earnings. What's interesting in, in terms of earnings is also the revenue is still growing. And that's mainly because of inflation. And a lot of these companies are able to pass that inflation down to the consumer. So you, you haven't seen that hit on uh, the top line or the revenue for these companies. In terms of you know, corporate outlooks, you know, if we look at some of the tech giants, so like Microsoft and Meta, you know, they actually delivered better than expected earnings. So these companies are projecting revenue growth and double-digit EPS growth uh, uh, indicating, you know, there is a uh, positive momentum in certain sectors uh, compared to others. And finally, I would say, you know, the market this year in 2023 hasn't really taken a nosedive as many had predicted, predicted due to, you know, potential recession, you know, Fed hikes. And that's mainly, I would say, you know, a lot of the factors that had caused anxiety last year. So, you know, aggressive rate hikes, inflation, zero COVID policy in China, that fear or that anxiety has started to recede. So we, we've seen this year, uh, you know, China's economy picking up pace. And because of that, we've seen a lot more uh, consumer demand from China for a lot of goods coming out of Europe or even, uh, even the U.S. There can be unexpected events, you know, as Chris mentioned, uh, you know, issues with debt ceiling negotiations or if there's a credit tightening could cause a deeper market downturn. However, you know, market is cautiously optimistic, taking into the better than expected earnings and an improving economic landscape. Again, challenges remain, and it's a pivotal moment where, you know, the market is just waiting to see the magnitude of the economic pullback and whether, you know, if it's a soft landing or a hard landing. And finally, I would say having a very, Diversified exposure uh, is important in this environment. So having exposure to blue chip companies uh, in the U.S., uh, you know, which, you know, dividend focused companies provided through a ZDY, which is the BMO U.S. dividend ETF, can provide not just diversification, but also provide lower volatility if, you know, some of these uh, negative or these headwinds come to realize in the market. Great. Thanks, Om. And with that, those are all the questions that we have for this week. So I just want to thank everyone for tuning in. And a special thank you to both Chris and Ohm for providing some great insights about the market. And with that, just want to thank everyone and have yourself a great day. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Chris McKinney, and Ohm Karmulker for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Low Volatility Canadian Equity ETF ticker ZLB, an attractive solution for investors seeking downside protection and aiming to avoid cyclical sectors. 
Our experts also discussed the BMO U.S. Dividend ETF, ticker ZDY, which offers exposure to blue-chip dividend-focused companies, providing diversification and potentially lower volatility in the face of market headwinds. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the ETF Center at BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFS.com. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.